0: Hey, 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 welcome to a new episode of Millennials Revealed, where I've intentionally sought out seven millennials in their sphere of influence and spoke with them about how they got started, how they developed this passion, talent, skill, ability, how they discovered their purpose and their thoughts on leadership. Today, we have Lewis Wembley, who is an excellent teacher, excellent exhorter, excellent encourager, and my personal favorite clubhouse representative. So just to recap on these past weeks, week one was Aaron Nicole representing arts and entertainment. Week two, I spoke about passion and zeal and whether they were indicators of your purpose. Week three was Harrison Ford representing media of exponential innovations. Week four was attorney Christian Fuller representing government. Week five was special education itinerant teacher April Pace representing education. Week six was Luke and Janelle Haywood representing family. Luke Week seven <laughs> was Takara Nicole of Vaults of Steel representing business. And today we have week eight with Lewis Wembley. So just jump in and listen to the conversation as we discuss his book, his family, the church, and where millennials are found.
1: Uh, So what I've noticed is a lot of churches, they have incredible services, incredible experiences, Mm -hmm. but it's it's little community. And so you have a generation that's coming for the first, second, or third time, and they're sitting in the pews. They feel like an outsider watching the insiders. Mm -hmm. Because whether we realize it or not, we build subcultures within the local church yep. all the time, even in business. That's not just a church thing. That's, that's, that's your job. That's, that's the medical field. That's the government field. That's, that's your nine to five. There's always a subculture or many subcultures that are established because of relationships, tenure, people have been there five years, 10 years, 20 years, you know? And so you got the new kid on the block that's coming in and it's like, you know, where do I fit? Where do I belong? So I challenge leaders with this formula called moving uh from the outside in and um, it's just three simple steps that I kind of teach leaders to kind of develop um, within their language within their teams within their ministries um, number one you want you want your you want your teams to understand what it means to be hospitable which means you want to teach people what it means to have hospitality and honestly leaders don't understand the value of hospitality which is why I would encourage this may be a bit of a stretch and this may be kind of wild, (laughs) but I would encourage churches to reach out to HR departments of corporations. Hmm. You know, I would encourage you uh, to do, to reach out to the Hilton. I mean, they do stuff like this all the time. We just don't know it. I would encourage you to reach out to the management at the Hilton and ask what are the steps needed to, to reserve your director of HR, you know, hospitality, you know, director, whatever, or your host to come do it a 30 minute training for my church. You know what I mean? Um, I would encourage people to reach out to businesses like Chick-fil-A, you know, and just ask, what does it look like to have someone come from you all's corporation for 30 minutes on a Saturday morning to talk about hospitality, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh little things like that reshapes the culture of your ministry. Like it, it reshapes the whole culture because you don't realize that you've built the culture until someone comes in and challenges the culture, Yeah, you know, and, and they start asking questions like, why are y'all doing it like this? Right. Like, why do you have somebody at the door that's full blown tongues, you know, bucking and trembling at the door? You know what I mean? Like, why do you have this person at the door and they have an apostolic sword? You know what I mean? They're, this, they're at the door. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. And you know, it's like it's questions like that that challenge leaders. So number one, hospitality. Number two, you want to you want to create a system where there's ongoing conversation. So I call it I call this next part pass the ball. You know, so your your greeter, your host, uh, Bill walks in for the first time. Bill walks in for the first time, right? And you know, he meets Lewis. I'm a greeter. I'm a host. My next assignment in order to make sure that Bill moves from an outsider to an insider, I need to introduce Bill to somebody that's influential in the church. I don't need to introduce Bill to a regular member. I don't need to introduce Bill to just somebody that's attended for the fifth time. I need mm-hmm. to introduce Bill to the worship pastor or to the, the intercessory director or to the youth director because when new visitors meet leadership, it's this feeling of, Prestige. I hate to say that, or or uh, is, is you get what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like wow. I'm meeting. I met the the the, the pastor. Like mm-hmm. I met the associate pastor. You know what I mean? Right. Visitors love that. Um, so I would say I would say keep the conversation going. So pass the ball. Number one, hospitality. Number two, ongoing conversation. And then number three, engagement. So the engagement piece is inviting them to something. Um, and if churches practice these three things. You'll see a return on millennials. You'll see a, a return on all generations, actually, because people want to be touched. You know, um, people want to be touched. People want to be talked to, and then lastly, people want to be transformed. They yeah. just don't know how to communicate that mm-hmm. uh, because they wasn't raised in church, so they don't know. Let me say this, and I don't mean to talk all. Day, I don't mean to talk all day, but people don't know how to communicate uh, emptiness that God put there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah. And so because they don't know how to communicate a longing or an emptiness that only Holy Spirit can feel, the church has to step into the place and be like, um, who was that? Philip, when he was going down the road and he saw the uh, the, uh, Ethiopian eunuch and the eunuch was reading the Bible, Mm -hmm. and Philip interrupted him and was like, do you know what you're reading? (laughs) You know, so the church has to learn how do we communicate and give language to the void that people feel on the inside, but they can't explain it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So this is where, now this is where your prophetic ministry comes. This is where your intercessory team comes. This is where your deliverance ministry comes. You know what I mean? Because these ministries are skilled and they're graced to give language to a void that's on the inside of people. And if you can give people language for what they can't explain, they'll Mm -hmm. keep coming back. Yeah. No. My bad, that was a, a bit chunky or a bit much.
0: <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. You, you hit it right on the head. We're talking about this because one of the reasons why I created this community um, is because I didn't want it to be another church gathering. I didn't want it to be another church group of millennials that talk about what Jesus has done, how he's done it, how he's going to do it, how he's going to continue to do it. And, you know, right. I didn't want to bring the whole church dynamics in this. Like, I'm, you know, a Christian, obviously, and I love the Lord. Right but I wanted this to be for millennials. I didn't want it right. to be for black millennials. I didn't want it to be for Christian right. millennials. I just right. wanted to be able to be open to any millennial that jumped on. And so one of um, the concerns, or not even a concern, but one of the things that struck me is I was explaining this to a friend of mine and um, I believe her family's Muslim. She's from another country. And I, she was just asking me you know what's been going on how you've been through covid and this pandemic and i was like oh i've been good I'm, I'm starting something new and she's like well tell me about it and then i got stuck because mm. in my head like people understand that there are spheres of society there's places where they are of influence and there's places where like corners of the earth that we take dominion over like people right. understand the seven mountains of society if you talk about it that way outside right. of the church dynamics they're like what are these mountains and why are these mountains important? Like what you're supposed to do.
1: Right. right. (laughs) And so so it
0: became, um, these are the areas of influence. These are seven specific areas of influence. That's really, really important. And so I I kind of grappled with how to explain it best to her so that it didn't be, it didn't, you know, wasn't church words that I'm using to explain this to her. And so once I got that, I was like, well, why is, why is religion important to a person that's agnostic or atheist? Why would this appeal to them? And so in my mind, I'm like, we all have a moral compass. We all have guidelines. We all have a moral compass that guides our decision and guides our thoughts and guides our actions. And that's, is at the frame of everyone's life. It's not like, I'm guided by Jesus, and you guided by this, and you guided by this, and so right, you right, wait on this right. to control your actions. We all have this right. compass that tells us, "No, that's wrong." Right. Okay, right. You do that. Right. That's right. Um, so right. it's important for me to reach general yeah. millennials,
1: yeah,
0: and yeah. not to I, box you know. it in. Right,
1: right, right. And 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 doing that, you actually end up reaching more people because, again. Millennials are, this is one of the, this is the first generation that said, throw the label away. Mm -hmm. And although I don't fully agree with throwing all the labels away, this generation said, don't put me in a box. Don't label Mm -hmm. me, you know, don't, don't tell me I have to go to college for four years. Don't tell me I have to go to college for eight years to be wealthy. Don't Mm -hmm. label me. And so. I was reading a study i don't know where it was i want to say it was on forbes magazine i read i read business insider and forbes a lot but one of the things i was reading i think it was on forbes it talked about how this generation of millennials is the most produced millionaires similar to the baby boomers generation Mm -hmm. um this generation is similar to the not baby boomers the silent generation which is the parents of the baby boomers so um, the silent generation was a generation that pushed agriculture, oil, oil industries. They were into land owning and they became millionaires literally just off of real estate, You know, just off of acquiring land and sitting on it. Um, I read a study that said that this generation, millennial generation is the most produced. They're producing the most millionaires similar to the silent generation. And if you look, we have millennial millionaires popping up not through real estate yeah. and they're not becoming millionaires through uh and i'm not trying to be funny or me Or tra- the traditional means of basketball or sports or mm-hmm. you know or going to hollywood or getting in a movie or film millennials are becoming millionaires because of youtube and and facebook and podcasts and you know uh ebooks and how-to videos and mm-hmm and dating shows I mean these are the, it's the rawness of life that the world is looking at and so there was a day where you had to go to the studio do, shoot a film and get it edited and pay for airtime. now you can buy a webcam and right. you and your spouse or your best friend your homegirl your boy y'all can sit in the front of a camera and be as raw and transparent as you as you would like about any topic and accumulate wealth you know you see what I'm saying so yeah. like the, the the world has changed, but even though the world is changing, there's still so much opportunity to advance the kingdom of God and the gospel in a changing world. Like we, like, we preach the birth of Christ, but what a lot of people don't preach is the transitional period that Christ was literally born in. Like, Christ was born in a transition, you know? Like, when Christ was born, government was shifting. Like, Herod was becoming... Uh, the king at the time and he was trying to establish his throne and he was trying to establish his presence and he wanted to he wanted the region to fear him so he issued a decree to kill all the babies and all this stuff and and right in the middle of transition Christ is born you know even his ministry starts in a transition he's at a wedding you know two people are transitioning in their life and Jesus's first miracle is in a transition you know what I mean so like we can't be afraid of a changing world because this is the essence this is the temperature that Christ uses to introduce the church. So, what I've been doing is asking, how can we do this different? You know, like maybe we don't need to. And even as a even as a, even as a church planner manifest, my wife and I plan to manifest. Even as a church planner, I'm 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 asking myself questions like maybe I don't need to buy a building. Maybe I just need to probably run a studio wow. and do, you know, do reserved seating for audience to capture audience. And, and, and maybe I don't need to preach a sermon anymore. Maybe I need to just lay foundation of a topic and create questions and answers. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like the format, the format, I think here's the thing, what I'm learning, we have, we cannot be married to our method. We have to be married to our mission. We have to be married to the mission, to the message and to the mandate. And by that, I mean, that's just churchy language for the ministry of Jesus, the goal of Jesus and all that stuff. But we, we cannot be married to the method. And unfortunately, people have married their methods. And because they got married to the method, when the world changed, their method no longer mm-hmm. worked and they lost their drive to communicate the message. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So Christ never called us to marry the method. <laughs> Christ, Christ wanted us to marry the message. You know so how do we communicate our the question that i ask leaders is how do you communicate your message in a changing world where you have to constantly change your method yeah um and i think the the fear of of the change doesn't need to be as uh, magnified as we've made it i mean honestly every chapter every chapter in acts there's a there's a different method there's a different transition every miracle of jesus is different although healing is the same the message The method of his miracle is totally different. You see what I'm saying? So even Christ embodies how to maneuver through different situations. For some people, he spoke the word and they were healed. For some people, he spit in the ground, touched their eyes, they were healed. For some people, he put his fingers in their ear and they were healed. But the method, again, he kept changing the method. But the ministry was the same. It was still potent. It was still powerful. It was still life-changing. But he wasn't loyal to that. So... I definitely think what you're doing is, I definitely think the conversation that you're having within yourself is definitely needed for millennials right now.
0: That is so relevant. And I'm glad that I have you on to be able to express that because I'm sure that there are, you know, men and women that's, you know, 50 up, 40 up, still trying to figure out how do they remain relevant in an ever changing world? Like what do they do when they decide to open back up church? Right. Are they still right. going to keep rehearsing the same things or are they going to shift with the times that are shifting?
1: Right. Right.
0: That's, that's really the.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and honestly, it's like, and you don't have to change your message. You can still preach Jesus. You can still preach the gospel, but you just have to change the method. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like, I will say this, COVID has really challenged create creatives COVID has really challenged innovators and visionaries because COVID really made you examine your systems, how inadequate they were or how ahead you were. Mm-hmm. So we were always doing zoom. We were always doing online. You know, We were doing, we were doing, I was doing meetings via Facebook live in a private group with manifest before COVID, you know, um, we were always, we were already kind of getting ahead of the online text to give and online giving and, Uh, XYZ and having a website in place uh, because, because again, the generation, uh, a lot of people say this, well, millennials aren't going to church. Millennials aren't going to the physical building of church. That is true. Uh But millennials are actually encountering the church at Starbucks, Panera Bread. I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this. I was in uh, a Southwest suburb of Chicago and I remember just stopping. I was I literally was just on my lunch break at my job and I was in the southwest suburbs of Chicago. And I just, I wanted, I wanted to, I love the broccoli soup, the bread broccoli soup from Panera Bread. I, yeah. I love the soup. <laughs> so I walk in to purchase the soup and there's six young, like business, professional looking guys, like two were white, a couple were like Palestinian. And then like one was a, a black guy and they were sitting at the table and they were ministering to this white guy, and this dude was just bawling crying and the restaurant is watching in amazement and I 'm sitting there looking at this exchange they wasn't kicked out by the manager they wasn't you know and they wasn't loud, they wasn't you know full blown tongues and mm-hmm. you know and yeah. yelling at the screen. it was just a regular conversation, a regular a regular you know hanging out they eating they all purchased food, they all had their drinks on the table. And I'm watching the power of God change this man's life over a table. And here's what I want to say. The generation is moving from the temple to the table. We're moving from the temple to the table. And and Jesus, again, Jesus' ministry, he, he embodied this because he would say stuff to people like, hey, Salvation is coming home to you. It's coming to your house. That mm-hmm. I'm coming to your house. Yep. Or I'm coming to your table.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, all throughout scripture, Jesus' ministry wasn't even in the temple. He did like maybe four miracles in the synagogue, you know, but majority of his miracles were in someone's home. He was hanging out. He would go to the home. And because again, we're moving from the temple to the table. The temple is 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 I hate to say this. The temple is, is about tradition. The temple is about Uh, structure, order. The temple is about uh, 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 programs and and all this stuff. But the table is about one thing, relationship.
0: Right.
1: It's all about relationship.
0: That's really interesting that you brought that up because that was one of the main things that I would hear all the time is millennials aren't going to church, millennials aren't doing this. But we have to have Revolent somewhere else. Like, if we're not going to church, then how about you figure out where we are? Because if we're not in your (laughs) church, and we're not in Hillsong, and we're not, you know, (laughs) here, then we got to be making our impact somewhere else. Um, And it's also interesting, I think you mentioned seeker-friendly churches. Yeah. And I don't think I've heard it that way. But I recognize it because it started making me think of like the churches I've been to where like, if I go to Hillsong, because it's in New York city, they'll break for seven minutes and pass out water and their crackers.
1: Right. Right.
0: <laughs> or I've been to another <laughs> church where like after service, you all go to Panera bread and you chill out at Panera bread until the next right. service or the ushers meet at Panera bread before they start their shifts.
1: Right, um, right. At the next
0: service. And I was right. like, That makes so much sense. There's another church, um, since I live in Queens now, there's another church that's not too far away, where they have tea and donuts in the morning um, before service. You kind of chat with the pastor, you chat with the worship leader in that little small huddle, and then you have service after that. Like, the pastor wants to greet you before you leave out, and I'm like, (laughs) is this this like a non-Black tradition? Like, who? Right okay
1: all right <laughs> yeah it, it, and it's it's uh, so the secret friendly is a whole movement you know like it's actually very very deep because i actually studied this when i was uh working for this church in um indiana it, it was really deep so let me explain this briefly <laughs> so we know we know we know apostle Eckhart, we know generals in the body of christ mm-hmm. you know and literally while apostle Eckhart was pioneering Prophetic deliverance apostolic ministry in the 70s and 80s. A guy named Bill Hybels was pioneering the seeker-friendly movement in the 70s and 80s. However, he didn't get the traction that the more spiritual uh, organizations got because at the time you had the shepherding movement, you had uh, uh, there was a men's movement, a, a promise keepers, you had uh, you had Azusa Street, you had the Brownsville revival, right? Uh, and so you had all these different, like, nationwide, powerful Holy Spirit-driven movements taking place all around America, and then privately you had the seeker-friendly movement, which wasn't driven by gifts or any of that. They were always driven by relationship, you know, commonality. Jesus, they just wanted you to love, love Jesus, live for Jesus, going out, go throughout your day. So watch this. When the I'm trying to watch my words. When the um, the charismatic movements began to slow down. Uh, in the 2000s, the seeker-friendly movements picked up speed because they realized that the charismatic movements, yes, they were experiencing mighty miracles, yes, but they were doing, they were getting to going to these events at the expense of their families. Hmm. So you had more divorces in the charismatic, more wow. broken homes in the charismatic. More, I mean, sexual immorality in the charismatic churches than the seeker-friendly because the charismatic churches was all spiritual gifts driven. And so when they started to decline, the seeker-friendly church in the mid-2000s began to explode. So you had a guy by the name of Billy Hornsby. He launched a network um, called, uh, they changed the name, but he launched a network. And he basically launched a network to capture three things relationships, relationships, uh, uh, spiritual growth. Um, and, uh, what was the last one? Missions. That was his, that was his only thing. He didn't care about anything else. He didn't care about nothing else. He didn't, he literally wanted you to build relationships with people and he wanted you to build a relationship with Jesus. And then he wanted you to do serving missions. That was it. So in the and so he died in like 2000, like 10 or 11 or 12, one of those. And his spiritual son took over the organization. They renamed the ARC. And so ARC churches are. They have maybe 5,000 churches in America, hmm. and literally they're rooted in relationship, spiritual growth, and missions. And so I said that to say this. <laughs> so we see the 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 uh, the uh, emphasis on the seeker-friendly model. Um, And I I respect both. I think both have their strengths. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I love the charismatic expression. I love the charismatic church. Mm -hmm. I love the the spirit driven churches, the spiritual gifts church. But I also love the relational side of the secret friendly. I got kids. I love the fact that I can trust my kids with these people. Mm -hmm. And they're going to teach them Jesus. He's gonna come home singing. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. When I go to my charismatic churches, my son has to sit there with me, you know, what I mean? to play on my iPad. (laughs) so so both have their strengths you know and both are both actually both actually are doing the same thing it's just that the times are changing and millennials are actually looking for more of a relational dynamic mm-hmm, for um, sure. and really, we're looking for more conversations community um versus trying to get to the conference or host the international retreat mm-hmm. or you know and i'm not knocking all that stuff but both again both of them are needed
0: yeah that's that's very very true um So let's shift just a little bit because I want to talk about your book.
1: Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you.
0: So how, when did you start? How long did it take? Where did you get the concept? How long have you been hammering away at this?
1: Um, so I started writing crossover in 2017. It started as Facebook posts and I was just posting on Facebook and eventually I, I had, I realized I shouldn't post this because one day I looked on Facebook and somebody had literally copied and pasted my post, like word for word, like didn't give me credit or nothing. <laughs> and, <laughs> didn't tag me in the comments, didn't say, man, my, my friend Louis said There's nothing. It was just, I was reading this post word for word. And I, I started the inbox and went, hey, you know, I don't know the guy, I just started the inbox like, hey man, thank you for resharing, you know. And I realized I shouldn't post it. So what I did was I kept posting, but I changed my settings to private. I know this was kind of funny, what I'm about to say? Um, I, I don't know, I felt like, and this may sound kind of weird what I'm about to say, but I'd be, I, my inspiration and my creativity of writing was really hiding posting online because the imagination of talking to an audience really challenged me to narrow in on my language and my conversation and what I wanted to say versus just writing in Microsoft. And I know that sounds weird, but I, I realized that about myself, that my creativity heightens when I'm posting online because I'm talking to someone. Whereas writing in Microsoft, <laughs> I'm writing to myself, you know, yeah, I'm talking yeah. to me, <laughs> it's, it's just me. And I don't I don't become intentional with what I'm saying, and so I'll be writing in Microsoft and it'll turn into redundancy, mm. you know, uh, but posting on Facebook made me go, I'm talking to 4,000 people. You know, I got four, four or 5,000 friends online. I, I want to be intentional what, what I say. And so I took all my posts, made them private and I compiled them all together and um, I finished it like maybe late 2018, early 2019 Um, And then I started editing, I started taking content out, inputting content, Um, and by the time I got done with it, you know, I sent it to be edited, sent it to an editor, um, and uh, I finished the book. I actually had the book ready to release, like, last year in, like, the summer, Hmm. but uh, we were, my wife was expecting, and I didn't want to release a book while expecting a brand new baby, Uh, and and all that stuff. So I said, I'll wait to 2020 to launch it. And so I decided to launch the book in 2020, and then, bang, COVID throws me off. And I go, you know what? I'm still going to launch this book this (laughs) year. So, so yeah, that's how it all started.
0: So where'd the concept come from?
1: So, oh, great, great, great question. (laughs) So the concept of crossover um, came from this. I started, I started, I I would not. I realized that I was great at building relationships within the church, but I realized that when it was time for me to build relationships outside of the church, I didn't know how to change my language or apply certain skills and really understand that what I learned in the church world can work in the secular world, but I needed a formula. I needed to create a process or laws, so I named it Crossover. It's really about leaders within the faith world reaching outside of the faith world and influencing other markets, um, which is why I named it crossover (laughs) because um, I think, I think every believer, every, every minister, every ministry gift or leader has the ability to be a crossover leader. And it's more so about not forsaking where you come from, but changing your model so that you can fit and receive new clients. When I changed my model, that's how I launched my business, my consulting business. So I just don't consult churches now. Now I'm consulting organizations. Um, um, now I'm consulting um, nonprofits. Now I'm consulting in corporations. I'm talking to people, you know, from, from London, you know, on how to grow their, you know, social entrepreneurial endeavor. You know what I mean? And the reason why is because I, I learned how to become a crossover leader. Um, and that's literally where the concept came from. <laughs>
0: that's so, yeah. yeah. That's cool.
1: I like that. Um, tell me about Manifest Chicago. All right, uh, I'm excited about Manifest. Um, we started talking about Manifest. My wife and I, literally, it was just a conversation. We started talking about Manifest because we felt like we felt like Chicago being our home city. We looked at all the churches in Chicago. We realized there was a transition of leadership, and we felt like that Manifest would be a hub. Almost like an underground church, not necessarily aiming to be the biggest or the most, you know, in, in numerical growth, but almost to really focus on identity, um, to focus on ministry, but also to focus on equipping. So we launched Manifest honestly as a as a as a training, as a Bible study, as a ministry training, and I invited people to come, and I would just talk about the purpose of equipping gifts. What does it mean to be a believer? Understanding, understanding Jesus outside of the context of, of church, but understanding Jesus uh, as the savior of the world, you know? And um, that's how Manifest started. And so Manifest, um, we built Manifest on three simple principles, reveal God, renew purpose, restore hope. Very simple, um, but very in-depth at the same time. And um, I'm excited about what God is doing in Manifest. It's, it's, definitely, it's definitely a community of emerging people, millennials, Gen Xers, um, we even got baby boomers, um, <laughs> so it's already multi-generational, you know, and then um I kind of have an old soul, so I'm able to understand every generation, you know what I mean, because I was, I was discipled by baby boomers, um, hands, I mean, hands on, my best friend growing up, and I'm not trying to be funny when I say this, but my best friend growing up was like an 82-year-old deacon, you know, and we, I I drove him around, I hung out with him, him, my grandfather, and I would eat at literally every restaurant in Chicago, you know, (laughs) so I understand the generations, you know what I mean, (laughs) uh, so yeah, yeah, that's Manifest, uh, we love God, we love people, uh, but we also love the potential within people, so.
0: Cool, um, so what's coming up next for you and Manifest and your wife and your book and your family?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, so the next thing that we're working on right now, um, we're working on launching Manifest this fall, Um, We're looking to launch Manifest this fall, um, uh, uh, like full-blown church, like having our services, programs, all this stuff. Um, Hopefully this fall, if all of the the, the kind of things would lift in Illinois. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if not, we're going to keep everything online. Um, And then I'm going to do a book signing really soon, publicly when things kind of lift right now, Illinois is kind of still on lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to, I'm waiting for everything to live. And then I'm going to do a, a book signing or just a honestly, just a crossover conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be more of a conversation of leadership amongst influencers in the church and in business. Got
0: it.
1: And I'm going to have one of my friends, I'm, I'm going to, she doesn't know yet, but I'm about to ask her. I'm going to have one of my friends. She's going to interview me. And we're going to literally have a conversation about faith and business together Nice. about how different laws cross over. how, you know, different church, how the business world doesn't understand tongues, you know, <laughs> but they do understand, you know, inspiration, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. And, and how the faith world can work together. Um, so that's what we got coming up. Uh, we working on our, I'm actually working on another book <laughs> uh, that I plan to launch in November. So uh, I'm hoping that by November, Thanksgiving, actually, Black Friday is the Pacific day. I'm going <laughs> to, my, my second book I'm hoping that my second book will be done and ready uh to be uh printed and and whatnot and uh, distributed um Black Friday of this year so I'm working on that and other than that uh we're just enjoying life you know enjoying this time we have together you know what I mean and I'm at home every day I'm not, I'm not traveling I'm not you know playing everywhere and traveling mm-hmm. everywhere <laughs> so, uh, but other than that uh we're doing good doing good thank you thank you so much for that question
0: cool cool thank you so much for taking time out of your day to speak with me i really appreciate
1: it oh no problem at all no problem